Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio. Yo, welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host, Sammy Yunan. Happy to have today, Miles Anderson. Hello, how's it going? Hello. So, you consider yourself a stand-up? Is that the, the title designation? Is that what's on your business card? Stand-up Ye- comedian? Yeah, stand-up comedian works. Jokester. Jokester? Okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever works. <laughs> Sounds like a Batman villain from the 66 show. <laughs> the, the, the jokester? The jokester, yes. Yeah, like they couldn't quite get the rights to him or something. So <laughs> the like, rip-off version. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, you have a debut uh, album, comedy album, Miles From Home. Mm-hmm on 604 records and uh it has a really intense cover yes there's a there's a lot of things kind of going on with your cover it's pretty cool describe for people i know this is a audio show but describe for people the uh the cover miles from home what's going on in there there's a lot of cool stuff there so the the cover is designed to look like the uh indiana jones movie Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like old uh classic movie poster style um it's got me on the cover posed like Indiana Jones behind me are all the characters uh, from the jokes that I have in the album. Mm-hmm. It's got like a, a panda bear, <laughs> uh, Caligula. Um, it's got the elevator driver man that mm-hmm. I joke about. It's got my Honda Civic <laughs> and uh, a big mean wasp coming after me. It's got all sorts of stuff that has to do with uh, the content in the album. Mm-hmm. Based on the Indiana Jones type of uh, cover, and uh, you have like some of the joke titles. The bit titles are like uh, X-Men Worst Class, uh, The Winter Soldier. <laughs> yes. This album's kind of like nerd adjacent. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> definitely is nerd adjacent for sure. Are you yourself like a nerd? Or is it like Because there are little references and things that you would pepper through. But I wouldn't necessarily call this like a nerd album. No, no. I think, yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely like... Uh, if the, the word nerd is very it, it's so broad now That's you know what I'm saying, yeah. nerd used to mean specific kinds of people like maybe into comic books specifically mm-hmm. um or into that kind of or like yeah. dungeons and dragons and stuff like that or star trek those are like nerd tropes people go to conventions and stuff like that yeah exactly i think nerd has become um a positive word now that basically <laughs> means you're deeply in, interested in certain things you mm-hmm. know um I mean, I am definitely like a, I mean, I love movies and movies are pretty great. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a movie nerd though, because there's real movie nerds out there <laughs> yes. that would destroy me. Yeah. I love classical music. That was my training. And I definitely would say I'm a nerd in that. You can come at me okay. <laughs> with your classical music facts <laughs> okay. and I'll square off. All right. Um, love history too. Big history nerd. That explains Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, yes. I also work in a museum. <laughs> so it also goes with the theme that I belong in a museum. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But nerdy. It's nerdy for sure. It's mm-hmm. a bit nerdy. I mean, that also works too for comedy because now, like you said, because nerd is a lot more bigger. Yeah. You can kind of drop these references in and all, if not most of the audience will pick up on them, even though your audience is not necessarily nerdy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think nerd is nerd is such a positive thing now. It basically means you can enjoy your passions and don't have to worry about violent alpha men <laughs> yes. calling you out. You can just have a happy, nice life. Pendulum has swung now. <laughs> yes, it you, is. You went from like social pariah to oh, social yeah. accepted. Nerds are so powerful now. Yeah. <laughs> they run all the tech companies. It's such a different world. <laughs> but how are the music nerds now? Are the music nerds accepted yet or they're still like oh, in the man. dark ages? Classical music nerds are generally um, in their 70s and 80s. <laughs> so uh, I think they've always been around. Music Music nerds, I think, 
like a true music nerd appreciates uh, all music. Like they love just music itself and they like all the genres. I'd consider myself a music nerd. I'm just super interested in mm-hmm. a lot of different kinds of music and what goes into music and like the real technical aspects of where like rhythms come from and uh, influence of different rhythms. And uh, I think music is so interesting now because we're so exposed. We like, you can hear all kinds of music. You can hear all of the world's music mm-hmm. all from your computer. Yeah. And so it's changing the way music, like the mainstream music is it like, you know, influences from different rhythms from like Southeast Asia and Latin America will find their way into, it's almost like what happened with jazz music or orga- like with before the internet with just people meeting and playing together. So mm-hmm. it's really music. Music is super f- interesting. It's easy to be a music nerd. There's so much stuff to learn and nerd out about for sure. <laughs> The, this album, it follows your career, your journey, right? Because it opens up with a little bit of piano, which you're playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of goes into the jokes, which is your chart. That's how you kind of evolved, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Does playing music, like you mentioned, like the rhythms and stuff, is a very similar style to the way uh, like a, you tell a joke? Rhythm is very important in joke telling. Um, it's actually interesting. Um, an old timey show uh, called the, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Show, um, I think it was in the 60s or 70s. They only hired writers who were musicians. Okay. That's one of the reasons why Steve Martin mm-hmm. was hired to write for them. Banjo guy. Banjo guy, yeah, because they um, they thought that only musicians could truly understand the rhythm of jokes, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. And there's a lot of, of comedians who play instruments, but for sure you can sense like the timing of a joke is so important so that you can tell like when the audience is laughing, you hear the rhythm of their laugh and how the crowd is kind of blending. And then you know exactly when to drop a punchline or like the next tag on the punchline perfectly. So you're not stepping on your own jokes mm-hmm. um, or making sure it comes fast enough that they understand it's a part of the previous thing. So it's, it's yeah, it's a big part for sure. We've seen also too like comedians like uh, uh, Bill Cosby, Dave Chappelle, who kind of like draw it out a little bit. Like it's almost like jazz. Yes. Right. Where they're, yep. it's like a longer story kind of thing. Yeah. And it's not necessarily funny throughout the whole thing, but once you get to the end of it, you're like, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's a kind of comedy that I, th- I think takes a lot of experience to be good at. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you have to be a great engaging storyteller, even when, I feel like that also comes about maybe when people are in front of a theater audience. Yeah. It's so different than a comedy club where people are eating and drinking. They don't know who you are. They don't <laughs> care. Yeah. And you have to get to the jokes really Make quickly. Make with the funny. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'll, I'll work some st- st- sort of longer bits into my set, sort of in the middle. That's where I would put a long story. Mm-hmm. After you've had 15 minutes of tons of jokes, so now that they like you, Mm-hmm you can then maybe take the liberty to tell a really long story and they'll be on board because they trust you now. They're like, oh, we know he's funny. So there's (laughs) going to be something funny eventually. Yeah. Um, But yeah. I guess you're getting good at reading that litmus test, right? Because like you said, when you come out, People are like, all right, I don't know who this guy is, all right? And so yeah. they, they sit back with their arms crossed. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Make us laugh, clown. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and then so you, the first little five minutes, ten minutes or so, you got to do the work, right? You yeah. Gotta like, it's like a first date, right? You got to like, I'm a cool guy. I'm not creepy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so hard. I mean? Oh, man. Yeah. Dates are the hardest set to do. <laughs> yeah. It's the hardest comedy bit. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you kind of already know if you're going to get a second one or not, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, flying in there. You got to do at least 17 jokes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dates would be a lot easier, though. Now 
that you like me, here's a long story. That's <laughs> <laughs> the perfect date. <laughs> but dates would be a lot easier if they had that little red light, though. It's that like, would be nice. Yeah, the girl could just like hit something on the table, just give you the light. It's like, you, you got two minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing dessert. So. Yeah, no, I think we're, uh, we're going to cut your mic. Yeah. I think we're going to go home. <laughs> That'd be a lot more clear. <laughs> so in terms of music, though, a lot of people who do comedy, they obviously have a lot of like stand-up comic or comedian uh, influences. Yeah. Do you have a lot of musical influences that kind of influence your comedy? That's an interesting question. Oh, thank you. I think comedy is a lot more like jazz music than um, classical music because classical is so scripted. Uh, you're following, um, you know, and to a, to a point comedy is but also jazz music you know they're all following chord charts i feel like it's more like chord charts <laughs> and you got to be able to improvise around this the structure that's being created mm-hmm. uh, but improvisation is so important and reading a crowd and playing with an audience and and playing off them is so important um and that's not really a part of classical i think classical music is more like a like a comedy movie would be more like classical music mm-hmm. where everything there's there's room for nuance there's room for expression but it, if you follow it perfectly in the vision of the writer, mm-hmm. then that's that's more how it would be compared. I don't have any specific influences, I don't think so. But I, to, to name my, my favorite jazz musician, I'd probably have to say Oscar Peterson. Oh, yeah, he's so great. It's yeah. pretty cool being in Toronto mm-hmm. <laughs> where Oscar Peterson roamed. Yeah. And uh, I definitely, I think before and around a show, you know, I like to listen to jazz music. It's kind of like my, it gets me in the zone for sure. Yeah. Oscar, of course, I guess going back to the piano thing, then, right? Yeah, Oscar is so amazing. I've, you know, he's uh, my favorite pianist of all time, classical mm-hmm. or jazz. He's just a magnificent player. Mm-hmm. It's too too bad he's not with us anymore. But uh, there's still lots of great musicians out there who play. Mm-hmm. I think uh, um, Corey Henry's a great keyboard player. Um, John Baptiste is great. He yeah. plays with Colbert's band. Yeah. He's an amazing get for Colbert. Uh, he's got a great band. Also, yeah, Fallon, the Roots are so awesome, too. It's uh, pretty cool to have a great band like that on a show. Yeah. I'm definitely jealous. They get yeah, to hang out if all the you, time. This is a tangent. This has nothing to do with uh, your album. But if you ever have a chance to go see the Colbert show in uh, New York City, go. Because yeah. it's a lot longer than what they actually tape. Like mm-hmm. for like, so the the band will actually play. Yeah. Like it's actually like a mini concert and yeah. they play between uh, guests and breaks and things like that. That's awesome. So you got to see them do that. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I was so just cool. in New York City a couple of weeks ago, and I got to a friend of mine's like, "You want to go see the Colbert show?" Uh, I'm like, oh, "All right, let's go." Well, that's and awesome. So, yeah, and so it's like a, you get a lot more entertainment, even though it's like free, right? Like, is it as cold as they say? It is pretty cold <laughs> in there. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, because uh, you're outside and it was summertime, it was July, right? So it's like, it's kind of warm, but then you don't want to like wear a jacket or something because yeah. you're only there for like an hour and a half or so. And then you got to go out and it's like New York City at nighttime. So, but yeah, it, it's kind of neat. And I like what you're saying about jazz too, because like jazz, there is a lot more like uh, improv and it's a lot, it's a lot more connected to the community, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. Like, and so sometimes like people will get up and start playing on the guitar or on the trumpet or something and then you don't know where they're going to go, but you got to follow them. Exactly. And comedy can be like that too. Totally. Where, like you have your set jokes or kind of your topics that you want to talk about. Yeah. But if there's something wacky or the audience is kind of pushing you in a different direction. And they take and they t- take place in similar venues, like mm-hmm. just basements. Yes. <laughs> no light, no hope. Basement clubs with alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's similar, similar origins. Yeah. You we already touched upon this, but I want to flesh it out a little bit more. You made the transition from music to comedy. Yeah. Why did you make that transition? I mean, both of them are just equally hard. Like you already kind of referenced that a little bit mm-hmm. in the album too. Like why make the actual like leap? 
Well, it was interesting because I, I grew up yeah, in a, a smaller town that didn't have any kind of comedy scene. And then I, when I moved to Victoria to do my music degree, I started doing comedy at night because I'd always been into theater and performing and stuff when I was going to high school. And I didn't really have a, an outlet for that in Victoria. So I was thinking about joining improv because I loved improv so much. But uh, I tried to join improv groups and they're like, you got to take a bunch of classes. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to pay yeah. <laughs> to, to perform. Yeah. And so stand-up comedy was totally free and you could just do the open mic. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And then gradually, as I did more and more of that, while I was still studying music, I realized I was much better at that than I was at music. Um, so it just seemed like the natural thing to just be like, listen, like, there's, no, there's never going to be money for me in, in classical music. I probably won't have a career. I won't be able to do this for a living. Um, so I, I'm going to focus way more on comedy and uh, try to make something of that. And I, I actually do teach piano lessons, and it's, it's not bad. It's a pretty good gig for a comedian because mm-hmm. I can cancel lessons for my students and just be like listen no lessons this week and they'll be so happy <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> nobody wants to sit and do they'll, the scales they'll celebrate yay yeah. okay yeah. yeah don't come back <laughs> yes um and then yeah i could do that and then i, and I can come back and, and, and teach again so it's um it, classical music has served me well doing that and also i mean i play all the time i mean i love music i always play it i'll always learn it i'll always be practicing mm-hmm. trying to get better and I always go to concerts all the time and things like that. It's definitely a big part of my life, but um, comedy has sort of taken over as my main focus of a career at this point. And uh, I think, yeah, just because it was just the way it, I just kept, you know, other people were like, yeah, you should do comedy. <laughs> people in classical music were like, you know, you should do comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of passive aggressive encouragement. Yes. They're kind of kind, but not really. My piano teacher. Yeah, comedy is something you should do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, like you said, like with comedy, you get the, the results right away. Like if you tell a joke and people laugh, then you know the joke is good. Yeah. With like classical music, if you play something, you know, people are like, I guess so. <laughs> oh, man, it's such delayed gratification. Yeah, because, yeah, you practice for months preparing a huge program and then you go and you play a recital mm-hmm. and you hope it goes well. And then that's like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas uh, in comedy you're you know you always get you you get that rush immediately of mm-hmm. knowing it's good yeah and on this album you have a uh, producer yeah uh kevin maher yeah so how does a comedy producer work on a comedy album is this kind of going back to the music thing again or is this what was the so uh, yeah he he uh set up the sound equipment and recorded it and um uh i think he did the primary mixing on it as well to make sure the audio was good he also like approached me about doing an album. So he also is, he's a huge comedy fan. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of approaches people that he thinks are, are doing well and that he likes personally and then pitches them to 604 and they decide who they're going to sign. So he's kind of like, they're kind of a scout uh, who also, yeah, records comedy albums. He's done a lot of comedy albums uh, in Vancouver for people. Um, he just knows how to get the right sound. I mean, he's a musician himself and he mm-hmm. really knows a lot about getting a good sound. And so he's a, he's a, he's responsible for a lot of why the album sounds really good. Yeah. I mean, Rick Rubin's worked with like Andrew Dice Clay, a couple other comics before. Right. So, I mean, Rick Rubin's always primarily known for doing the music stuff, Chili Peppers and things like that. So yeah. uh, it's kind of interesting to have somebody that that skilled kind of just like doing comedy, which is a lot more simple. There's not that many instruments. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. So much easier to record that than, than music for yeah. sure. Uh, it's funny, actually, when uh, it was almost like the first music comedy crossover I can think of. 
in recent time is they um, uh, Rory Scovel and Jack White. Yes. <laughs> Jack White was like Rory Scovel's amazing. <laughs> uh, third, you know, his record, the third man record, I think, was that he's like, I want to do a comedy album with you, and yeah. then they put it on vinyl, and uh, that was awesome. And I think and you wouldn't normally think Jack White as being like a funny guy. Yeah, you wouldn't like, think of it as a comedy fan. But there's a lot of like uh, you know secret comedy nerds. Yeah. <laughs> who love uh, hearing jokes and, and going through all. There's so yeah. There's a big world of comedy mm-hmm. to get into for sure. Are you ever interested in exploring kind of like combining the comedy and music? Like you mentioned, the Smothers Brothers at the top, and like that's a huge genre in itself. Weird Al and things like that. Yeah. Like, was that something you would ever want to explore or sample in or dabble in? Well, I actually uh, did uh, do a Christmas song, a funny Christmas song with my friend uh, with 604 Records last year. Uh, it's a Christmas song for Scientologists <laughs> called uh, One Billion Years of Christmas. Yes. And uh, that was pretty much the most musical comedy thing I've done. Uh, in my act on stage, sometimes if there's a piano on stage, I will for sure do something with mm-hmm. the piano. It's just too hard not to. It's just irresistible. Um, but a lot of the time, there's no pianos at comedy clubs. So... Mm-hmm. They just don't know that I yeah. play the piano. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's kind of something that happens. I, I've thought about putting something together as a comedy music thing, but it hasn't really come to fruition yet. But there's mm-hmm. definitely projects perhaps I might want to work on. Yeah. And in terms of your writing structure, the way you write your material, the way you write, the way you write your joke, does it, does it flow out of your musical background or is it kind of more free flowing and you just kind of like if something works, you just kind of throw it together? Well, I mean, in the, it's funny how you develop as a comedian. The more shows you do, the more you have a sense of what is going to work. Mm-hmm. Like things you come up with will, will most likely work when you're kind of you know five six years in. You sort of understand, okay, this is what's gonna, this is what's gonna work. So I mean, I, I definitely write premises things that I think are funny and I'll go to like an open mic where there's like seven people mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's like a, a horrible room and then I'll go and I'll I'll say these things out loud and mm-hmm. try to kind of see if there's something funny there mm-hmm. and um and then if there is like I'll write down a note of like what was good and I'll just kind of keep I'll kind of craft the joke in front of audiences and then I'll like I'll add more and more and more notes to a premise until basically it's almost entirely like structured out to mm-hmm. like almost almost entirely written out, but not word for word. Um, just every single little tiny point. Um, and then I'll do that at like bigger clubs and make sure it's really tightened up. It's all about whittling it down. I usually start with a huge, long, rambling, <laughs> nonsense thing. Like a drunk hobo or something? Yeah, like just that. Just I'm just nonsense. And I'll whittle it down to like the part where they laughed. Mm-hmm. And then I'll make that part even shorter. I'll just shorten it right down until it's just, you know, just the meat of it. That's mm-hmm. just the funny stuff. And um, and that's, you know, that's, that's hard to do because, I mean, there's so much demand on people to create so much content now and create mm-hmm. so much material that a lot of the time people are trying to lengthen their jokes. They're trying to make it as long as possible and add more and more set up mm. and things. But I always try to make the, just the joke as fast as possible. Um, so it's just dense. Lots of jokes. Chris Rock does a lot of repeating of his lines. Yeah. He has you know very I mean? distinctly does that. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of like, I've, I think obviously if you took a lot of those repeats out, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the joke would literally be like just five minutes, but because he repeats the premise is like, that's so true over and over that it actually kind of like makes it a little longer. And in terms of that, in terms of reducing the, the material and in terms of selecting material, was it difficult to figure out what was going to be on the debut album? Cause this is your introduction to the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, there's uh, certain things definitely I thought about. I wanted it to be as clean as I could make it. Like I wanted it to be like, you know, 80, 90 percent mm-hmm. like sitcom clean. You know, something that would play on two and a half men or <laughs> yes. how I met your mother or something yeah. like that. So that was, you know, conscious. But I knew that I already had a lot of jokes that were like that. So it wasn't fine. Like, there's definitely, like, jokes I used to do in the past that were way raunchier that I wouldn't do on the album. Uh, I also tried to not have too much, like, local reference stuff. That's important not to have on an album, obviously. You mm-hmm. want people to enjoy it all over the country and, and even the United States. Yeah, Victoria is like a deep cut for, like, a, yes. lot, of, a lot of Americans. Yeah, they would have no idea what yeah. Victoria is or why it is or how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I kind of try to talk about, yeah, I think I do mention that it's in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. or something like that, to try to give Americans, like, an idea of, like, okay, he's talking about, like, it's kind of like a rain place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've heard of Seattle. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, those are those were definitely conscious things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's hard. It's interesting because, I mean, I really just started headlining comedy clubs like about a year ago. Like just before I recorded the album, I started headlining. And so it's interesting now that I have more opportunities to headline, like it, like the next album will be so different because I never had a chance to do that 45 minutes a lot, mm-hmm. maybe a couple times. Um, so I was kind of like, it's almost like two, thir- like two 20-minute sets, 22-minute oh, yeah, okay. sets combined, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that the next album, because I'd be headlining more, will be totally different. It'll probably have a different kind of rhythm to the whole thing for sure. Um but uh, but yeah, definitely definitely conscious decisions. I, you, you know, you wanna you wanna make the album appeal to as many people as possible for sure. You mentioned like you recently started headlining clubs and things like that. One of the places you've actually performed at is the uh, Comedy Magic Club. Yeah, yeah. In Hermosa Beach, it's in LA. Yeah. For people who don't know, like that's a really cool place. It's, it's an re- amazing place. Yeah, yeah and it's kind of sacred. Like there's been a lot of really cool. Um, I know people like for some of the the standard clubs that people think of in the in the states and in Canada and yuck yucks and all that. But that's a really cool place. Can you just kind of describe us a little snapshot of your experience there? Oh man, it's uh, it you f- it's they treat comedians so amazingly there. I mean. They give you like, they give you dinner. The green room is so cool. All the people there you're hanging out with are awesome. It's like they curate such good comedians there that there's so many times when you're hanging out in a green room and people are kind of like, they don't know how to hang out or they're mm-hmm. kind of insecure and blah, blah, blah. At the Comedy Magic Club, it's the weird. Like you feel like you're at a family house and you're all, <laughs> it's the best atmosphere. Also, it's like a museum. They've got so much like comedy memorabilia there. They've got like Charlie Chaplin stuff and like David Letterman memorabilia wow. and uh, so that's just um, amazing to be in that, that historical place. Also, like the wall is just covered in signatures like Jay Leno and Gary, Gary Shandling and mm-hmm. all these great comics. Um, it's su- super funny, though, because, yeah, it's kind of not a huge mainstream thing now as it was in the old days, because I feel like, yeah, the comedy stores talked a lot about on um, big yeah. podcasts like Joe Rogan's podcast and stuff. So comedy store gets a lot of, of publicity right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Comedy Magic Club amongst comedians is revered and everybody knows that it's a great place to do comedy. Yeah. If anybody ever wants to see like a little snapshot of it, it's in the uh, Jerry Seinfeld comedian documentary. There's a scene in there with I think it was him, Chris Rock, and I think it was it was a Jay Leno or what, somebody else. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm, yeah, Jay Leno, or and then it's also in the Shandling documentary. That's right. The yeah. Zen Diaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That green room is it's it's hallowed. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations. The uh, the debut album Miles from Home is out now. 
Uh, so where do you go from here? What are your next like comedic goals? My next comedic goals? Well, uh, I'd like to put another album out. I'd like to um, uh, come out here and perform more on the East Coast of Canada, out in Ontario and stuff like that, and book more gigs around here. Mm-hmm. And just sort of, yeah, just just reach more of an audience, keep creating stuff. I think the, the next goal is another album. It's even better than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think... That's 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 all I've got. That's all I got right now. I think I'm just trying to get one step at a time. Yes. You know, obviously, I don't want to be in. I, I want to be in the Avengers eventually, but okay. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> okay. The end goal. Well, as a superhero. Yeah, everybody, everybody gets a solo movie before, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, that'll be in the uh, sub, the Marvel sub comedy universe <laughs> yeah, of so. just comedian superheroes who do like rom coms, but they're all superheroes. <laughs> yes. I want to be in one of those. That's the end goal. <laughs> all right, that's good. Just put it out there in the universe now. It's on the record, right? We'll see yeah. what happens now. I think that's how the secret works. Where can people find you and see if you are going to end up in a Marvel movie? Where can people find you online? Uh, I've got a website, milesandersoncomedy.com. This is kind of like a hub for all my stuff, uh, as well as they can follow me on Instagram at miles.banderson and uh, Twitter at miles underscore Anderson one. And those are pretty much the big online things right now. I haven't been on Facebook uh, for a while because my parents are on there. Oh, that's awkward. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so thanks for coming in. The new album, the debut album, is Miles From Home. It's on 604 Records. Um, and they actually have, like you mentioned, they have quite a bit of a comedy-like uh, arm there. Yeah, so they're really developing a lot of comics out in uh, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So check it out. And I guess it's at the usual spots, right? iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. Yeah, yeah all the big ones. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Thanks, Miles, for coming in and hanging out. We covered, like, jazz and <laughs> classical music and... We eventually got to comedy and then <laughs> your secret desire to be on the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good day. Yeah, it's not bad. It's yeah. quite a few topics. Yeah, thank you, Miles. Thank you. Yo, that was Miles Anderson uh, visiting my summer lair. I am your host, Sam Yunan. And uh, you can follow me on uh, social media and um, you could uh, upvote or downvote my jokes. Uh, there's a reason why I'm doing this instead of stand-up comedy, though, clearly. And uh, it is my pal Sammy on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my pal Sammy. So thank you for listening. Jokes, yo.